This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. Hey, hey, what's happening, you guys? I'm really excited today for the Let's Go Win Podcast because the gentleman I have on today has done so many amazing things. Mike McCarthy is a husband, a father, and a serial entrepreneur. Over the past two decades, Mike is grateful to have played a major role in the growth and expansion of Keller Williams to become the number one real estate company in the world. Mike is also the co-founder of the GoBundance Mastermind, co-author of The Tribe of Millionaires, and The Morning Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, and the accompanying Family Playbook. He is a group facilitator and motivational speaker. Mike is passionate about sharing wisdom that helps entrepreneurial families increase collaboration and connection, co-create shared values and goals, and form rituals and traditions that help them thrive together. Mike, you have been busy, brother. How are you? Doing great. Great to be here. Uh, it's awesome to have you. So, man, uh, where do you find the time? I, I guess I'll start there because you're building real estate, you're writing books, you're doing masterminds. I mean, you are doing so much. Maybe give me the the, the Cliff Notes version of how you got to what you're doing today because it's remarkable. You're influencing a lot of people, but I think everybody wants a little bit of, of what you have, man. Yeah, well, thanks. I uh, appreciate that. You know, I think it's it's important to remind ourselves that no one succeeds alone. So, you know, the main way that I do that is I create opportunity for other people and I work through a team. I don't need all the glory. Um, I like to to give other people opportunity and put the spotlight on them. And that works well because I come up with some pretty good ideas, but I'm not nearly as good at executing those ideas as other people. So I have a, a, a great team that's, that's around me and uh, also great organizations. So Keller Williams is a company that is built for scalability and it's it's built to really model out the fact that you you can replace yourself at each each stage of the business by getting in business with the right people so i've had the ability to do that a couple of different times in keller williams which has freed up some some time to work on some other projects uh, i also did the same thing with a mastermind group that i co-founded in GoBundance. i was the ceo for three or four years. And uh, eventually we found somebody who could do uh, an even better job with that role. And so you uh, sort of fire your way out of, uh, hire your way out and fire yourself out of these roles along the way. And it's just important to not get too attached to whatever significance you're getting from whatever role you might be in. A lot of times we we lie to ourselves or we have the the, the, the delusion that no one can do it as good as we can do it. And the truth is that there's always somebody out there who can do it better than we can do it. We just have to be willing to get out of the way. Yeah, man. And that's obviously a, a remarkable leadership trait that you have to be able to create something and say, you know what, I, I started some kind of cool, but maybe there's somebody that can take it to the next level. Um, talk to me about that specific to leadership, because I think so often we do get such a vested interest and we put our heart and soul into it. And it's like the whole adage of it's, it's, it's only done well, if I'm doing it, you clearly don't embrace that. You clearly have an abundance mindset and we'll talk about go abundance, but talk to me about where that 
was shaped if you've just always been that way? Because I think that is a challenge for some people to grab a hold of and say, I can let go of the reins and know that not only will it do as well, but maybe even better. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's a little, it's a mixture of a little bit of luck and a little bit of happenstance, you know, all mixed together. I think, you know, one thing is that I get bored really easily. So I couldn't continually do the same thing over and over again. Like I would just go nuts. So for me, there's a sort of a internal drive to sort of keep moving on to something new because I want to experience more of what life has. So, you know, I have that luxury or that that ability to do that because it's sort of in my DNA. Um, I also think that, you know, there is something to be said for um, the, the thrill of watching somebody else uh, grow and win and find a job that they really align with. And so, you know, if I occupy that position, yes, there's probably a lot of ego boosts and, and alkylades that maybe go along with that position. But at what point is it more important to see somebody else receive opportunity and accolades and for you to just uh, sort of fade into the background a little bit? And I think it boils down to, you know, a lot of work I've done on myself. You know, I get a lot of coaching. I invest heavily in my own personal growth and development. And, you know, you always come back to this idea that, you know, the happiest people are the most flexible who let things sort of flow. Let's let an opportunity come into your world do what you're able to do with it, and then have the wherewithal to really know when your time has come on that opportunity so that you can sort of move on to whatever your next most logical career step is. And then also you know, throw down a rope, as my friend uh, says, and help the next person up into that position. Well, one of the themes I'm seeing here, or definitely I'm feeling, is that you surround yourself with really, whether it's like-minded, but certainly driven people that want to succeed, I think so often that that can be a challenge. How do you go about finding those people, whether it's at Keller Williams, the mastermind group, so many of these things that you've brought together, how do you find these people, brother? Because I think so often that can be a challenge for folks building their business or, or a mastermind group or whatever they're trying to do. You clearly have a knack or a skill for finding these great people. Yeah. I mean, you always have to be on the lookout for great people and you got to understand what, what makes somebody, someone who you would want to spend time with. You know, for me, it is people who think abundantly. It's people who really just see challenges as temporary obstacles. And they know that they're going to find their way through because they bet on themselves and they know that they're going to keep growing and, and keep focusing. And they just don't let any limitations into their life. You know, I have a big issue uh, surrounding myself with people who want to put any type of limitations on me or themselves. And oftentimes, and I'm getting better at um, not being triggered by that. But oftentimes I'll get triggered by that and I'll have to like slow myself down and really work with somebody in order to help them see that they truly have potential. And so I do a little bit of that, but mostly I want to be around people who already are focused on there not being any limitations and that, you know, their life is full of possibilities. And, you know, to find those people, you've got to be willing to communicate authentically. I think that a lot of times people don't ask for what they want and they don't go to the places where they know they can get what they need. And so you've got to go to where successful people are. You've got to go to the training events, the masterminds, the conferences. 
Um, you've, you've got to show up to those places and then you have to be willing to engage with people in an authentic way and hold a space for them uh, to become their higher self, their best self, whatever that might be. Because no matter how far we've come with sort of material success uh, in, our, in our lives or even business success, there's always a next level of evolution for us, whether that's energetically or spiritually. Um, and that oftentimes results in sort of a, a nice little uh, circular motion of like we develop ourselves business-wise, material-wise, we chase things, we go get things. And then there's oftentimes a peak of like spiritual evolution that comes from that chase. And so I just try to balance that out and continue to drive forward in my life. But ultimately you get to a certain level and I just want to see the world become a better place. I want to leave it better uh, than when I arrived and do my best to, to sort of shape not only my own uh, impact in the world, but begin to look at my my kids and my family and the impact that they may have on the world. Um, if I sort of set it up in in a way where uh, they can carry the torch forward on whatever legacy maybe my wife and I have begun. Yeah, and I can't wait to get into that subject because I want to talk about the the miracle morning for parents and families. We are going to get into that, but I have to ask you specific to you. You mentioned the growth. You mentioned uh, doing the work. There's a specific word abundance that that is clearly important to you. Was this something that you learned from your folks? Is there specific uh, tools that that you sought out? I know you've mentioned events. How did you find this? Some tangible tips maybe that people can say, oh, okay, I could do that. Here's maybe some books that I could read or maybe some some places for me to go seek out because clearly you've done that. And I'm just curious you you where where that started. Well, I mean, the granddaddy of all books related to sort of this topic, I really think is still Think and Grow Rich, you know, a timeless classic. And uh, the, the power of the mastermind is explained throughout that book of surrounding yourself with the right people. I mean, there's even a, a part of that book that just really, I felt the weight lifted from my shoulders when he talks about um, Henry Ford, just wanting to be not, not wanting to be the smartest man in any room and understanding the power in that. But, but in that book, I realized for myself, I'm like, oh, I don't have to be the smartest guy. I didn't do very well in school. So what the school system sort of taught me more than anything else was that I wasn't smart. And so there was a little bit of needing to overcome that and understand that, like, I don't need to be that smart. I can have other skills and, and, and traits like generosity uh, you know, being somebody that someone else can count on, having a big vision, th those things don't necessarily necessarily require a high level of intelligence. So for me, it was like, oh, so I can be just as successful as any other entrepreneur out there. I don't have to have a certain IQ or a certain SAT score or anything. What I need to have is a good work ethic I need to be generous. I need to take care of the people that help me get to where I'm going. And I need to have a big vision, one that's big enough so that anyone who I would want to work with, their vision can sit, fit inside of my world, or at least a big part of their vision can. So I think that that book really was a big, big driver. But I think within Keller Williams, too, I found uh, many, many mentors within Keller Williams, one of whom is named David Osborne, who is now a great friend of mine. I moved to Austin to live in the same neighborhood as him. And this is a guy that keeps thinking bigger 
every single year. He's like 11 years older than I am. So he's in his like mid fifties and he doesn't stop growing. So I continually have a target that I can aim at. That's like, well, this is where I, what I want my life to look like in 11 years. This is what I want my personal life, my family life, my businesses to look like is I model them after somebody. And I think that's important for people. If you're lucky enough to find a mentor that can even guide you for a year or two, that's a blessing. If you can find one that can stay in your life for 20 years and stay ahead of you the whole time, and you can grow a friendship with that person, then some real magic starts to happen. And it's through that relationship with David Osborne that we formed uh, GoBundance. And we have two other partners and co-founders in that group. And we just started doing trips uh, originally with just guys, and now we're a men and women's organization. Um, but we used to just get together with the guys every year and go on a backpacking trip or climb a 14er in Colorado. And we would mastermind on our goals. We would share our financials and we would pick each other's lives apart, so to speak, in order to help each other gain feedback on how we can get better. So there's a little bit of vulnerability in that. Not everybody's open to having, you know, 10, 15 guys tear apart their life and tell them all the things they need to do in order to get better. But if you're somebody who's hungry for that type of feedback and you're willing to implement it, then GoBundance is going to be a great place for you to be as an entrepreneur because we're super authentic. We show up and we say the things that maybe others wouldn't say in order to help people become better at whatever they're doing. And so Keller Williams became a place where I met lots of great mentors. I also took a lot of classes within Keller Williams um, that sort of revolve around abundance and living a big life. There's a class called Quantum Leap that Gary Keller wrote. Um, and that book was something or that class was something that at 18 years old, I took this class and I was like, holy smokes, you can set goals on anything you want. It, you get to decide. And when I was a kid, I thought goals were just something your parents made you do or, or had for you, that they weren't something that I could come up with on my own. So I've had the beautiful uh, pleasure of being in these environments like Keller Williams and around great mentors like Gary Keller, David Osborne, my father uh, as well. And then to then be intentional about creating that environment for others because uh, our trip that was just 10 to 15 guys it started becoming 30 guys then 60 guys then 160 guys then 300 you know people would show up to these events and now we're having you know four events a year with two 300 people that show up to them and then a handful of other trips that we we do internationally couples trips family trips uh, that we put together. And, and again, like there's a whole team that does 90% of that. Um, we don't even go as co-founders to all of those events. And yet this environment's still there. And it's because we believe in creating that environment for others because it's worked for us. Like all four of the co-founders have continually leveled up in their lives. And we've sort of become those mentors who keep growing for others in the same way that David Osborne has done for me. Wow, what an incredible support system to have around you. And and I have learned through our mutual quick shout out to John Clyde, who yeah. introduced us, 
how incredible this company Keller Williams really is, how much of a growth mindset this company is. So not that this is even a remotely a commercial for Keller Williams, but what a cool company guys. If you're looking and you're like, man, I need something different. Check it out. Reach out to Mike on that. So brother, I want to get into uh, the, you've written a couple books, but specific, I know family, you've mentioned it a couple times. You just mentioned your dad, you mentioned your wife, so the miracle morning for parents and families, and then you have an accompanying family playbook. Obviously, I think most people or a lot of people have heard of the miracle morning. Tell me uh, what this is. Is, is it a collaboration with, with how is it completely separate? What, what is this all about brother? Yeah. Well, it's, what's really cool is that, you know, Hal has a book series that, that takes the miracle morning and then applies it to all sorts of different areas, entrepreneurship, becoming a millionaire, uh, writers, school teachers, couples. Um, so he's he's done a great job sort of in, in line with like a chicken soup for the soul of just being able to take his brand and promote it um, with different authors and then create new books together as a collaboration. And, uh, you know, I moved to Austin. Hal Elrod was actually uh, one of my neighbors as well. He lived in the same neighborhood as David Osborne and I until just recently moved out to uh, to the country to, to get some land and, and do some farming. So we call him uh, Farmer Hal now, which is fun. But um, it's uh, it's really uh, it really started as my wife and I went and saw Hal speak. Um, and this was uh, about eight or nine years ago. And we thought, wow, this the miracle morning is great. We had done some miracle, some morning routine work before, but we sort of saw him speak and got fired up about doing the miracle morning. And at the time, I, I, my daughter, I think, was three years old or so, two or three, and we would do the miracle morning. And inevitably, my daughter and my son, uh, who was four years older than my daughter, would come and sort of in interrupt our miracle morning. You know, they'd be curious about it, wondering what we were doing, asking questions. And so we made the decision that we would just include them in what we were doing. In fact, we've made that decision repeatedly throughout our, our parenthood together is that rather than do things separately with our children, we really try to bring them along for the journey uh, at every step of the way. And that's become an important value uh, or strategy for us as parents. It also helps us to keep our identity and not revolve, revolve our entire lives around our children, but to, to integrate it. And I think that's been really powerful. So my wife actually sat down with my son and they developed a, a miracle morning that was for children. And so in, instead of the SAVERS, which is the acronym that represents the the six exercises you do for the miracle morning sort of for adults, we came up with the charms, which stands for creativity, health, affirmations, meditations, um, meditation and service uh, and exercises in there, too. I skipped one. So. Um, uh, so, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, charms. That's in the saver. So charms is uh, creativity, health, affirmations, reading is what I miss, meditation and service. And what those six ideals represent are just things that help you to become a better human being. And uh, they're adapted from the savers because Hal's idea is that the savers uh, will help save your life. If you want to turn your life around, you know, get to the next level. And my son looked at that and said, well, mommy, why do I need to save my life? And I think that's kind of important because 
children are sort of a blank slate. Like they don't, they don't need to save their lives later on if you institute some of these practices early on. So we wrote the book, um, we released it five years ago, and then we just recently rewrote it because you learn so much about being a parent in five years. And we wanted to not only rewrite the book, but we wanted to create a playbook that would help families to go through exercises together that would take them beyond just the miracle morning. So there's also a bedtime routine in the playbook. There's a exercise for setting goals as a family, both at the individual level and at the family level. There's an exercise to create your unique family values so that you can then begin to talk about, articulate, hang them up and celebrate when a family member is, is living by the family values. Um, there's a screen time contract in there, which, you know, this is a big deal for a lot of parents these days is how do you manage screen time? We actually have a contract that's written that we edit and the kids are allowed to try to renegotiate it with us. And it ties back to the star system, which is another exercise in the book, which is all about having a family currency. So our kids are able to earn screen time through uh, uh, earning stars, and then they can spend those stars on screen time. They can cash them in for money. They can use them to get a dessert. Um, but this, these, all of these things that we've done are, are exercises that we not only use as a family ourselves, but I've led um, hundreds of families through these exercises over the years at Fambundance events. So GoBundance, when I was the CEO, I decided to bring my family along, like I mentioned earlier, and so instead of just focusing on building GoBundance as a men and women's uh, mastermind group, I actually decided to create a division of it that would focus in on families and delivering the same type of experiences uh, to a family. And so these are this playbook is it contains all of the best exercises that we we used and facilitated families through over the last you know four or five years. So we decided last year we wanted to get you know, the rewrite of the book done and then publish this playbook. And my wife did a, a great job of uh, putting a lot of the book together. And so, and so now it's my turn to get out there and promote the book and help families to find it and hopefully inspire families to collaborate better. And really for me personally to inspire entrepreneurs, salespeople or high, high level leaders to not use their family as an excuse to be away from the family. And to really uh, allow there to be some way for them to bring great leadership skills and great team strategies home and use them in the family so that they can intentionally lead their family. And I think that this might be a blind spot for a lot of people um, because they're either letting the schools lead their children or they're, they're outsourcing it just to one spouse who's in charge of the household. And then there doesn't become this collaborative team environment that we know is possible to have as a family, uh, but it requires a little bit of effort and a little bit of work. So the playbook is us just guiding families through, you know, how can we get these systems, traditions, rituals set up at our house? Well, I mean, brother, I think you're absolutely right. Whether it's the screen time contract, I love creating our the family values. I'm thinking of my wall upstairs that we have. And I just, so often I think families are just trying to get through it. Or as you mentioned, you know, whether it's a man or a woman, when it comes to professional life, 
I don't have time and, and, you know, I'm getting pulled away. What a cool idea to involve your kids in this, all the things they're learning. And as you said, what a unique idea to not only, you know, update the book, but rewrite and, uh, and do a playbook alongside that. Uh, Where can people find that? I'm sure we'll, we'll link it in the show notes for sure, but where can they find this, the playbook and the book, because it sounds very useful for any family to, to dive into it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for asking that. You know, you can go to miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook, which stands for parents and families. So if you go to miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook, there's actually, if you put in your email, you can download um, two of the chapters from the playbook. So it'll give you two exercises that you can get started with at home And it'll help you sort of begin and see what some of these exercises are all about. And you can also just buy the the playbook or the second edition of the book by typing in the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families on Amazon. And it it usually pops right up. The other thing that's so cool to me, and you talked about not having limiting beliefs. One of those things, especially when people are about to write a book, is that imposter syndrome. And clearly you wrote a book prior to this. So you probably didn't have that going into the second one. But what's interesting as a parent, you evolved as a parent, your kids grew and you created these exercises. What would be your advice to those that are like, well, I have to wait until I see this whole thing through because you can always go back and and recreate or update. And that's what I hear, which is awesome because you get to see the first project then the second one, how it changed. It's really cool because somebody myself that has felt as an imposter, as I'm writing my first book, just do it. So do you have any advice to those that are sitting on the sidelines waiting to do, whether it's a book or a project or a company? Yeah. I mean, I think that you've got to just put yourself out there. I mean, I think there's a quote or, or a saying that says, you know, if, if you wait too long or, or you're not, if, if there aren't some mistakes or some issues with your first, you know, release of whatever your product, your book, whatever it is, then you probably waited too long to, to get it out there. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, just launching something. I probably would have tried to delay the, the book a little bit, but we had deadlines and we had to stick to them. And so there really becomes no space for, for that, if you if you tie yourself to some deadlines and you make big commitments, then you you're forced to sort of put it out there, and you just have to acknowledge and accept the fact that it's not ever going to be uh, be perfect. And then there's always the ability to do a second edition. So when when we looked back on our first book, we were like, oh my gosh, like it just it was embarrassing to some degree because we're like we've learned so much over the last five years. And, and you know what? People have asked us a few times, well, like, what are you going to do when you have teenagers and, and your kids won't listen to you anymore? And I'm like, we're going to write a third edition to the book at that point. Like, it, it just never start, stops evolving. And I think that you also have to just be willing to bet on your future self. You know, if you're committed to growth and you know that you're going to stay the course and keep learning, keep growing, keep having accountability and challenges in your life then you just have to know like you're going to be capable of more in the future than you are right now. Your bandwidth is going to expand. So no matter how good of a job you do right now, putting your book together, if you're into growth and personal development, it's not going to be as good as what you could have done a year from now or two years from now, but you can't wait until next year because it's a moving target. You're going to keep getting better 
So you might as well put out the work you can put out today, make it as good as you can make it. But perfection is, is really a delusion. Like none of us are ever going to get to it. So just get it out there. I'm really grateful for my wife. She's much better at staying on a schedule. And she was really the one rewriting the book. So, you know, she just put it all together the way that she thought that it would work. And it does work. It's a great book. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, especially on the playbook that it's it's helping families. And, you know, ultimately, that's what I'm after is if I don't release a book, I can't help anybody. If I release a book, maybe it's not perfect. Maybe I even get some criticism for it. But if it helps just one family to collaborate better, set goals together, or define what their family values are, then for me, it's all worth it. Because I'm not writing these books and doing this work because it pays well. I mean, that's this isn't a, a way of making money for me. This is a way of spreading impact. And I, obviously that comes to the core of you as a human being. I keep hearing this year. There's so much generosity. And, and I think this is the idea of abundance where it's like, you're not only giving, you're receiving. And, and that's the way it continues to con- grow. So it is, again, man, I just, I don't know if I have a great question around it. It's just, it's something that clearly is in your DNA where you're right. Writing books, typically that's not all that profitable. I mean, for some it can be, but that wasn't the point you wanted to, to share. You wanted people, like you said, to co-create shared values and goals. Why are those rituals and traditions? Why is that so important to you that other families have that? You know, I think it comes down to legacy, you know, being someone who uh, went into business with my father early on, by the way, I, I wouldn't have done that. I, I actually was kind of a, a difficult teenager, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I hadn't, I had a, I was stubborn. I had, I thought I had no, knew it all um, and had already figured out stuff. And, and, and I, I thought, I don't want to work with my dad. We kind of rubbed, rubbed each other the wrong way a little bit. We butted heads. Um, but Keller Williams happened to be this incredible organization. And my dad was a, a really solid leader that was making a lot of headway in a, in a growing organization. And I saw the opportunity. You know, my job when I joined him as his assistant, which was a humbling experience, to, to put, it, put it lightly, uh, was I, my job was to map out all of the Keller Williams franchise territories for Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And I saw the opportunity. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is this is a once in a lifetime type of opportunity. I need to become the type of person who can grow into this opportunity. And so I did. And 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 so now I'm a second generation entrepreneur and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, now my kids are going to inherit a potentially a large uh, legacy that's around wealth. And I started thinking to myself, well, what does that look like? How can I make sure that this doesn't destroy them? This doesn't give them a, a, a instead of being something that's helpful, a lot of times third generation, uh, they're the ones who stumble, fall, squander, and, and mess the legacy up. And it's oftentimes because they didn't get a front row seat to whoever was doing the building, right? And you know, based on what we were saying earlier is I build something for a while, then I move on and someone else steps in. So my kids have seen me build something, but they've also seen me move on to the next thing repeatedly. And I just don't know that uh, that that was giving them the best example for what might be possible in their lives. 
I wanted them to understand certain values were at the core of why I was succeeding, why my father had succeeded. And so I realized like, hey, I've got a duty uh, to help uh, my children to handle this legacy. Because instead of looking at it as a like, hey, you're going to have this. This is awesome. You get it. You're And maybe create spoiled kids or entitled kids, children that don't understand or respect the value of that. Uh, but also like, what if it destroys them? What if it leads to a lot of, uh, of, of things? And, and I think the best example of that uh, jam is, is the Vanderbilt family. So if you look throughout history, uh, they were the, probably the wealthiest, if not, you know, maybe top five wealthiest families in the world. And today there's not a single millionaire from that family that inherited any of the wealth. There's only Anderson Cooper who made all of his own wealth, didn't inherit a single dime from any of his, his great, great grandfather or great grandfathers. He just happened to be someone who, you know, got got the idea of hard work and the things that it takes to make money. So now he's building his own empire, so to speak. And uh, I think one of the third generations is who it was, Vanderbilt. He was, he was quoted, it was William Kissam Vanderbilt was quoted as saying, inherited wealth is a real handicap to happiness. It has left me with nothing to hope for, with nothing definite to seek or strive for. And I just, when when I read that, and I think about those, those types of stories of affluenza is what I've also heard it referred to as uh, in a book called Entrusted, it just made me realize that, man, I can put all of this time, effort, and focus into building these businesses but if I don't build my family, then what's it all for? Like if my family doesn't understand the value of how to build the business and how to collaborate as a team and what it takes to lead, then I'm really selling my family short at the expense of, hey, I'm building this for you. You're my excuse to be away from you. And at the same time, the kids don't get to see how the sausage is made. And so I have a, a quote that I say a lot that is your legacy is only as strong as the hands that you equip to carry it forward. And I think that's at the core, the motivation for why I'm doing this. I oftentimes am, I'm accountable to my audience, to my readers, to people that, that I want to lead by example for. So I needed to put myself in a position where I was 100% accountable for equipping my children to carry the legacy that I've, I've built forward. And, you know, the way for me to do that was by leading masterminds that teach other families how to do that and to write these books. Um, so it's, it's direct accountability for me to uh, live, live the, the things that I'm preaching and be the best example I can be of that. And we're not perfect. You know, I, we, we call it a weekly family meeting, but we probably do it every other week. Right. But every other week, is is better than probably 90% of what families are currently doing. And so we just have to look at, you know, how do we do better in this area? You might not implement all seven of our exercises from the playbook, but what if you just implemented one? What if you just set goals together as a family? Like how would that change your family dynamic? And I think we've got to ask those questions of ourselves as leaders and then we've got to be willing to bring great questions home to our families and collaborate around those questions, whether it's goals or screen time or, or family stars or whatever it may be, but they're all guided by questions. And then we've got to let our children 
have a voice in these things. So these uh, meetings and these exercises that we teach, they're highly collaborative and they embrace what I think is a more um, modern leadership style of asking questions and collaborating and having everybody's voice uh, contribute to the end product. Whereas I think a lot of the old school leadership, the generation that really my father came out of it was more command and control. I'm the leader. I have the vision. I have the values. I'm going to tell you what they are and you're going to just take them on and own them. But we all know that we we own the things that we help create much more than the things that that are that are forced upon us. And so that's a big part of these exercises is teaching that style of leadership it could go a long way for our children. In fact, there's not by the time they are old enough to lead anything significant, I think there will be no more command and control leadership even available. Like kids these days in the new generations, they want to be a part of it. They don't want to just be told what to do. Yeah, no doubt about it, brother. Man, you put you said so much in that. I, I want to break down, but a high five to your dad for starting you as an assistant. He clearly <laughs> understood the value of you need to earn this. You need to really understand, like you said, to see how the sausage is made was kind of the analogy you use. Um, but specific to the the leadership, absolutely. What worked in the 70s is different than what worked in the 90s is what's different that works today is what's going to be different that works 20 years from now. You know, we've gone from that authoritative leadership into more of the servant leadership and now transformational leadership. And so I, you're right. It is ever evolving. But, um, man, there, there's so much good in that. And it's for parents out there, you want your parent, your kids, excuse me, to have more than you did, but how do you go about that? And you're clearly intentional in that path. I want to ask you one thing, because there's a topic that you have that I just so interested in getting your take, and that's just grabbing life big. I know we've talked about so many things that you've done and you said, I get a little, you know, you didn't say this, but itchy. I, I need to do other things. You're grabbing life big. So what is that brother? What, what is on the horizon for you? And, and uh, what does that really mean to you? Yeah. I mean, you know, specifically for me, it's, it's taking um, every, all of the, the, the money that I've made by building great businesses and then continuing to put it to work in the world. And I put it to work in a couple different ways. I've got a, a nonprofit that I've founded where we build adaptive snowboards um, for people. Um, so it's a brand new type of product. We've got a guy named Nick Santanastasso who had that he was born with hand heart syndrome. He's a close friend of mine. He has no legs and only one arm and only one finger on his one arm. Um, but we were able to build a snowboard for him and teach him how to snowboard. And now we're beginning to do that with other adaptive athletes and have created a nonprofit around it. I also support a whole lot of charities and initiatives causes uh, with my money. And then I'm building an investment company. So it's the McCarthy Family Enterprises and we deploy the capital that we earn in our businesses. And I'm now building a team out to lead that enterprise. So that's sort of my next business pursuit is turning that into a real business with employees and people that bet deals and and uh, and go find deals that align with our criteria. Um, and so I'm continuing to sort of pursue the next level of business, the next level of impact. Um, and, and then at the same time, I'm making sure that I have the space and time 
to keep growing who I am as a person. So I take a lot of reflective time. I meditate a lot. I, I've got several um, health coaches and spiritual coaches. And I have my wife and I have a relationship coach uh, that we work with. But, but for me, it's, it boils to, down to, uh, like you said, grabbing life big. What that is all about for me is um, continually just becoming the best person I can be in every, every area of my life. So how do I become the healthiest I've ever been? How do I give back at a higher level than I've ever given? How do I have adventures and fun in my life so that I know I'm crossing off my own bucket list adventures? How do I continue to be accountable in my life? Because the bigger your life gets and the more success you have, potentially the less people you have that are willing to hold you accountable because they're mostly looking to you for guidance or you know they work with you and you're their leader in some way. So how do you keep surrounding yourself with people who will call you out on your bullshit and and help you to get back on track when you when you do fall off track because we all do no matter what level of success we're at. Um, and then you know how do we cherish the relationships uh, that matter most to us? Um, because all of the things that I just went over health, fun, relationships, giving back those are the pillars of GoBundance. It's not about building great businesses. The idea is that you've already built a great business. You're in GoBundance because you want to build a great life and make sure that you haven't made any other sacrifices that you didn't need to make along the way. Did you give up being a member of your community and your church and supporting charities? Did you put that on hold because you needed to go build your business? If so, now we're here to tell you it's time to get back to, to being someone who's generous with their resources. Same thing with relationships. A lot of times we, we, we do a lot of succeeding at the detriment of our relationships. We end up putting friendships on hold. At, 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 that's, at, that's at the lower end of, of being a, a problem. The higher end of the problem is we don't spend time with our family you know, and, and we, we're not showing up for our own parents, right? They, if we're, if we're blessed to still have our parents with us here, there's sort of a duty and obligation that we enjoy that time with them and we make ourselves available to them. And then we do the same for our kids and hopefully someday they'll do the same uh, for us. But for me, abundance and this idea of grabbing life big, it's all about being a millionaire in every area of your life. And what does that look like? Uh, to me, a millionaire is just it represents the intention, the intentionality and having a purpose-driven approach to whatever we do. Because you don't generally just find people who magically have become a millionaire without tracking their net worth, understanding where, where they're actually at, how they can save money or earn more money in order to get there. So we got to bring that same level of intentionality, not only to our finances, but to every area of our lives. I like it. And you're right. At some point, something gets kind of left behind and it's always time to reflect and, and bring that back up. Brother, I want to give you the opportunity just to, you know, if there's something I should have asked you, I just didn't know. And you're like, Jam, dang it. You have to ask me this. Anything you want to leave the audience with that, that we haven't touched on already? You know, I'll just share a couple of uh, concepts. Like one is just based on a quote from Warren Buffett, which is, you know, he was quoted as saying, give your kids enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing. And I think that that really uh, sums up a lot of what what I'm talking about here is, you know, we want I want my children to 
to do b- bigger and better things than I ever did in my life, right? But I also want them to be really fulfilled. And I definitely want them to understand that um, there's not an option to do nothing. Like that's that's not going to be an option for them. They're going to have to build their own lives, find their own uh, mission and, and, and vision for their lives, and then go out and achieve that. And there's a book that I mentioned earlier, uh, I think called Entrusted, that also talks about we need to give our kids the flint and the kindling, but not the fire. And so I think I would just challenge anybody who's building businesses, has uh, assembled you know any amount of wealth, uh, that they really consider like, how are you going to transfer that wealth to your children in a way that it'll become their flint and kindling and not giving them the fire? Because if they have the fire, there's a good chance that they're going to burn themselves with it, right? It, they're not going to know how to wield the, the power of the, the fire right out of the gate. But if we can teach them to learn the skills and strategies, and then also do they have the character strengths and the, the core values instilled in them at a level where they can you know, move forth in the world with you just giving them maybe some education, and, and some access to helping them, you know, get through college or go to real estate school or whatever their whatever their direction is going to be. Maybe you help them uh, start a business. You know, you you become their financier and their partner to start a business. But what you don't give them is just unabated access to to wealth because that's really what's going to create a Vanderbilt um, type scenario. Um, so that would be one thing I would put out there is just you know how how will you go about it and. And understanding that. And then, you know, another piece of this is how can you really honor your children's voice and really understand that, you know, for me, my children have become my greatest teachers. There are so many things that I would not understand. Namely, one would be love. Like I wouldn't understand the true depths of love and and, and what a powerful thing for a child to teach a parent. And so I would just, you know, challenge anybody who's listening, like, how can you really look at your children not only as, yes, you're responsible for them and it's your job to teach them, but how can you turn the tables on that and honor them for their voice? And how can you bring their voice into the family's values and the family's goals and the family's plans for the next six months or next year or next 10 years? And then what what beauty and creativity will they bring to the table that is totally unexpected that you wouldn't have come up with on your own? I think that's the sweet spot that might actually empower our children to be able to go out into the world is they need to value themselves, their voices and who they are. I grew up in the era, Jam, maybe you can relate, where children were to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, luckily I was able to, to do well in spite of that idea. But I think there was a part of me that felt a bit defeated by that. Like, hey, I felt connected to something that was powerful as a child that eventually the world severed for me. And I think what we can do is help children to keep that connection as they grow and not have to sort of save their life as we talked about with my son, Tyler, and how they created the charm. So those are a couple of things that I just and passionate about. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to just share those and in, in, in the effort to maybe impact a couple of people with those words. 
No, I love it, man. I, look, the world's evolving and, and we as human beings, as parents, as, as children need to. And, and I think it's awesome. So brother, where would be the best place for listeners to connect with you online to learn about all these things that you're doing? There's so many, you know, whether it's Keller Williams, the GoBundance, it's uh, the morning miracle for, for the family. It's, there's just so much that you have going on. Where's the best place for them to connect with you? So you can find me at, at gomikemccarthy.com. You can also find my wife's blog at gratefulparent.com where she posts a lot of parenting resources and things that are related to uh, our family masterminds. Um, so those would be the two uh, best places. You know, if, if anybody was interested in having me speak to a group, whether it's in person or a virtual keynote, you know, I'm really on a mission over the next year to impact as many families as I can. So groups of entrepreneurs or high-level leaders who you think might fit this message, shoot me an email at mikemccarthy at me.com. I'd love to hear about your event or your audience and ways that we might be able to work together uh, to impact those. And, and JM, I'll share with you a quick funny story. As you, you mentioned, Mike McCarthy, the who's now the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So I would say every month I get about two to three emails that are for the other Mike McCarthy. And I get everything from like coaching advice to criticism to, hey, coach, uh, I haven't played football for five years, but I was inspired by the games this Sunday. And I just I think I've got a shot. Can I come and try out for the team? So it's just pretty funny that I feel these these uh, wishes, dreams and sort of uh, uh, disappointments that people have with pro sports. And I, I try to be as kind and, and uh, supportive in telling them, Hey, you, you've got the wrong Mike McCarthy, but just, a, just a funny side note. <laughs> You're just going to have to drive a couple hours North and really get to know Mike, you know, personally, you, you guys. And, and so when these emails come through, Hey, Mike, you mind handling this one? <laughs> and so yeah, well, brother, what what amazing stuff that you're doing, the content. Thank you so much for being here today. Just really appreciate how you show up in the world and everything you're bringing. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. I hope this really helps your audience. And thanks again to John Clyde for connecting us for this. Yeah, for sure. He's awesome. I mean, obviously, Mike is awesome. You guys go check out his stuff. He is literally on a mission, as he said, to help shape, change, make families even better than they are today and, and support that. So go check them out. And until next time, guys, remember your mindset matters. We'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about. Building this community as big as we can, helping as many people as we can and deliver as much value as possible. Be sure to head over to letsgowinpodcast.com for information on my coaching courses and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Let's go win and transcend in life. This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson.